Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you, YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Kaylee and Josh. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, Kaylee sits down with recently retired Lori, who moved to Portugal on her own just about a month ago. She's got a unique perspective on what you can expect right after you move to the country. You don't want to miss this one. Hey, Josh. Hey, Kaylee. Good to be with you again. What's been going on this week? Well, Dan, we've actually um, had a couple of fun things happen. We went to Espino, which is a town that is just south of Porto and south of Gaia as well. Uh, to check that out, we want to film something for our YouTube audience. And then also, I went down to Lisbon and shot four videos. It was a, a monumental task, a little touch and go. We can get into that at some point down the road in terms of uh, how the documentation process went because... Actually, we had done our CEF renewal and hadn't received our cards. We, we don't have our new cards yet, and both of our cards have expired, so that's fun. Ooh, bureaucracy. Wouldn't be a problem, because normally I could travel on my passport, and I should have my passport on me when I travel. However, that's also being renewed, so a lot of fun there. Oh yeah, that sounds real fun. Yeah, and it's the second time that you've done this where you've just flown down to Lisbon with someone to help you out. You've shot a bunch of content and then flown back in the same day. So it's not too exhausting though, right? Uh, it's not too exhausting, no. It's a lot of fun, actually. Um, I do feel like I get a lot accomplished. Get to produce four videos in one day. That's like unheard of. So it's, it's pretty great. And then while Josh was gone, I was obviously with Sia. And uh, she's 
thankfully moved into the next level of swimming lessons. So that's fun. I don't have to be in the pool with her, which is really nice because then I can just pop over to the little spa that's right next door and be in there for about 45 minutes while she is enjoying swimming lessons. The spa, you fancy. I know, I am fancy. The unfortunate thing is the place that we go, the building was bought and now the spa fitness center is going away. Yeah, they, they didn't get their lease renewed. So we're interested to see what happens next. But it sounds like the gym is done and it's just going to be closed and turned into something else. Yeah, which is a big bummer. So now I have to find new swimming lessons. And I'm guessing it's not going to be as nice as my new my new get up here, which is unfortunate because the past couple of weeks have been really nice. But honestly, life is good. We've met some more expats here. There's a lot more people moving here. We're getting to connect with them. So that's great. And, you know, we look forward to uh, another meetup in February, should be towards the end of February. So that'll be fun as well. Kaylee, you did the interview with Lori this week. Yeah, that went really well. So how did you guys meet? I met Lori through the channel, actually. She watches our videos and she reached out to us just seeking some assistance. And so we helped her with a few different things. And she's so great, so nice. She came on a couple scouting trips. So we were able to see her in Porto while she was figuring out where she wanted to be around Portugal. And she became a patron, which was great. So she saw that she wanted to support us a little more. And we've just uh, had a relationship, had a good friendship ever since then. And she's down in Lisbon. Well, she sounds awesome. And I can't wait to hear the interview. Well, you will right after this message from our sponsor. Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. Worldpost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. Amazon purchases. Amazon purchases. And you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. (laughs) She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dreams since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. 
Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. Lori, was it scary as a single female to just pick up your life and leave your home country? Yeah, actually it was. I think more exhilarating and exciting than it was scary. I think that outweighed the fear, but definitely there was some trepidation there, leaving the familiarity and the comfort of home and everything that you know. Of course, yeah. Then why'd you do it? <laughs> Million dollar question. <laughs> so I think the desire to, at this point in my life, kind of my child grown and out on her own to branch out, try something new, gain some new experiences um, and some new insight into the world. I think living in the U.S., we often become sort of ethnocentric um, and sheltered. And I was pretty aware of that and wanted to see what I could do to branch out and find out what else was out there. So just kind of looking for something different? I was, yeah. I found it. Well, what were you doing before? So I worked in medicine as a PA for 21 years, doing urgent care, raising uh, my daughter as a single parent. Um, So life was pretty full, working full-time and being a parent. 20 years of that was just kind of a blur. You don't realize how little you are actually experiencing outside of those two main things. They're so consuming. So then you decided to just pick up your life and leave, or was this a plan, or what was the process like? Uh, It was kind of a plan. I mean, it's been something that I had been thinking about and wanting to do actually for a long time before I had my daughter. Uh, She came along a little bit later in my life. And then as she got to be, you know, 16, 17, I started thinking, what's next? What's around that next corner when she is an adult and moves out on her own? And I started actually watching you, Kaylee, on uh, Expats Everywhere on YouTube, believe it or not, and um, learning about Portugal. And I'd been curious about Portugal for other reasons too. But once I started to hone in on that, um, became more my focus And then I kind of developed a plan that was actually initially going to be a little bit longer term than what it ended up being. I uh, didn't think I was going to do it for another two more years, but um, things progressed and proceeded more quickly. And here I am two years sooner than I thought. Yeah. Were you worried about leaving your daughter? Yes, I I was. I still am. Um, We're in contact every day, but that's kind of my biggest reservation still. And I'm still kind of coming to terms with that is I think as a parent, you know, it's not something that you envision you're going to do. You more envision someday they're going to grow up and possibly leave the state and go away to college somewhere. And that's kind of the natural course. But as the parent being the one that moves away, it's, it's a, there's a, a lot that comes with that. You feel guilty. I feel a lot of things. So yeah, I'm still worried about it. Well, what kinds of things are you doing to alleviate the guilt or the stress of it? (laughs) Uh, Well, we text pretty much every day, even little texts here and there. Uh, I I brought my pets with me and they're pets that, you know, she in her teenage years kind of grew up with. So 
it will send pictures back and forth of the pets or different things. Um, I think mostly it's maintaining contact with her. That's the biggest help. It's just staying in touch a little bit, even a, a few sentences every day. Incredibly helpful. How did she react when you when you said you wanted to move abroad? <laughs> Let's see. Initially, I think, you know, all along she's been probably one of my biggest supporters and biggest encouragers, believe it or not. And I think for her, it's it's exciting. It's kind of, you know, your mom's doing something cool. <laughs> not the typical mom uh, that her friends have still accessible and readily there. I think she still sees me as accessible and readily there. But but yeah, she's been my one of my biggest supporters. So you became the cool mom with this. Kind of, yes. <laughs> and, and how old is your daughter now? She is 19. She'll be 20 in February. So she's in college locally in, in Portland, Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you mentioned pets and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, bringing your pets over to Portugal, specifically to Lisbon where you live. But why Portugal? You talked about researching some other places. What were some of the other places you were looking at and then why Portugal? Well, I wanted Europe in general. I knew that much. Just that's where my interest and in the history and my curiosity has been for a long time. It's where my my heritage, my my dad is actually first generation American from Germany, came as a young boy, but he's since passed on quite a few years. But I knew I wanted Europe. And I think Portugal kind of became more of the center focus once I started learning about that it was incredibly safe, really accessible, certainly more affordable than some of the other European options, and relatively easy to immigrate to the process for an American. So those were kind of the main deciding factors for Portugal. I think for a single woman, safety is a huge factor for me. Yeah, definitely. What was the moving process like for you? I actually got your course, the D7 course, followed through with that, and then actually ended up utilizing MoveIn. So I got in touch with MoveIn and utilized their services, and they helped a tremendous amount with the actual visa process. They pretty much took care of that for me. I had a house to sell in Portland, and that decision was made kind of late in the game, actually, after I had decided that I was doing this. The decision to sell the house came a little bit later. It was still trying to figure out, do I want to keep it and rent it out? You know, there's a lot of things to figure out when you own a home. So got into that market of selling the house when the market was really good for a seller. Um, And that changed pretty quickly right after we sold it. So dealing with that, selling the house, once that was done, things were pretty easy. I got rid of a tremendous amount of stuff. I mean, stuff that you you picture, you know, you've had all your life and you you identify with these belongings and, and then all of a sudden they take on a different kind of reality for you. <laughs> it's more like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with all this stuff? It's such a burden. So I got rid of a lot of stuff. I have a five by five storage locker still, but that made that actual moving process a lot easier. Also, pretty much I brought my pets and clothes. That's it. Like four duffel bags of clothes and my pets. How did it feel to kind of purge and get rid of stuff? Amazing. Yeah? 
Amazing. Yes. Really good. And it still does. There's a couple of things that I, I'm like, oh crap, why did I get rid of that? <laughs> but like two small things. Then other than that, it's really liberating. I can't speak enough. You know, after living there 16, 17 years in the same place, you accumulate so many things and, you know, objects, some of them are really sentimental, some of them not so much, but that actual initial, okay, I'm going to get rid of these things. Initially, it's a little bit hard. You don't really know where to draw that line, what you want to let go, what you don't. But then you kind of get on a roll with it and it really starts to snowball and you start to see how liberating it really is. I mean, if I wanted to right now, I, I rented a furnished apartment. Of course, I bought a few things here, some plants, some little pillows for the couch, things like that. But if I wanted to pick up and move, it would be so easy compared to moves that I've done in the past when I lived stateside. It would just be, you know, call a taxi and throw in the bags. <laughs> It'd be easy. Some people, I think, have a hard time with, you know, the idea of, of getting rid of everything. So they're considering shipping. Did you ever consider shipping stuff over? I did. And I still am. Those that little bit of stuff that I have in the storage locker, it's basically some artwork that I really like that I don't want to part with. But I, I also, I mean, what am I going to do? Leave it there and pay $50 a month, a storage fee indefinitely. I, I don't envision returning. So yeah, I'm still kind of trying to figure that out. Am I going to ship these things or am I going to get rid of that last little bit? Am I going to try and find somebody who wants these last few things? I'm still trying to figure that process out. So the locker is just a short-term solution. It is. It is. I gave myself six months to make that decision. Yeah, so. that's good. That's kind of good to like give yourself a timetable, like a time frame of when I'm going mm-hmm. to actually make a make a move on this one way or the other. And it gives you enough time now right. that you've landed in Lisbon to fill things out, figure out apartments and everything. Yes, which was a process. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to touch on that. So you are in Lisbon. Why did you choose Lisbon? And do you see yourself being there long-term? So that's a, a good question. I actually kind of waffled between, do I want to be in the bigger city? Do I want to start off somewhere a little bit smaller, more coastal, like Ericeira or Porto was another option for me. I think I settled on Lisbon, largely between Lisbon and Porto, because what I envisioned the weather was going to be like. Of course, now the last week here, you would think you're in Portland, but... <laughs> Same here. <laughs> yeah, Lisbon is more... I wanted something a little more central large enough that would give me enough options for language classes, activities, things like that, while I kind of gain my footing and be able to explore on my own. I think the infrastructure here is great. Um, It's easy to get around. It has a lot to offer, and Porto does too. I think, again, that's still my second choice. So okay, I don't know if that answers the question directly, Yeah. So now that you're there, are you finding that Lisbon is offering everything you thought it would? I think so. Yeah. And I've been here just over a month. And I think when you move on your own, I mean, my stepson and his girlfriend helped me, but they were here like the first two weeks and then they left. But then I've been on my own. And so there's this element of culture shock that I'm still experiencing. 
And everything is still such a learning curve for me. The simplest things like using the washing machine. It's a completely different thing. It's things that you don't think of, just the day-to-day living tasks, going to the grocery store and figuring out what eggs do I want to buy. Seriously, everything has become a mental workout, a mental challenge. I have to use my translator on my phone and look at labels. And by the time you figure out what eggs you want to buy, what kind of laundry detergent you want to buy, you're kind of exhausted. (laughs) I I think Lisbon is still everything I thought in the sense of, um, I still have that sense of wonder. It still seems new and exciting. I mean, it's still very stimulating with the architecture and just the day-to-day life. But again, I'm still in this state of kind of overwhelm and culture shock. So I can't say I really feel settled. Okay. Uh, What do you do to deal with the daily culture shock? I force myself to get out every day and to try and (laughs) to try and speak Portuguese, no matter how badly I do it, (laughs) which I do it pretty badly. One of the things that I do to deal with it is go out I pick somewhere new each day to go get a coffee and practice just ordering my coffee in Portuguese. And it's kind of funny because I actually ended up with two coffees one day at the little cafe (laughs) (laughs) because the way I ordered it, I actually ordered a cafe and a galau. But what I thought I ordered, what I got were two different things. And he actually brought me two coffees, a little cafe and a galau. And it was just hilarious. The guy was laughing, but that's what I ordered. And so he was trying to ask me and he didn't want to use my translator. I found that quite a bit, actually. They either are going to speak a little bit of English to you because they can, or they absolutely don't want to. And they insist on speaking the Portuguese. They don't want to talk into my phone. <laughs> it's funny. And again, I don't know if I'm answering this question very directly, but I think the biggest thing is to force myself to get out and find one thing to do every day where I speak with people and go somewhere new, a different store, a different coffee shop, eat a different pastry. Mm. Oh, that's so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I thought "Mm, I I got easily a year's worth of a different pastry every day. No, yes. So exposure to the language and just going into different places, maybe to just be more mm-hmm. comfortable with what they look like and yeah. your surrounding areas. Yeah. I joined a gym. I did that on Saturday. So I haven't actually gone yet, but I actually joined a gym and I actually went and looked at three different ones and talked to the people. So I was kind of proud of myself just going in and saying, hey, what are your services and what are your plans and how much does it cost? and figuring that all out. So good, good. Little things. Yeah. Little things get you settled, right? I think so. Need to still develop some routine, get on track with that. I think that's going to be really helpful. Hmm. What were some other stressful things for setting things up? So moving into the apartment was a little bit stressful. I um, ended up going with a Remax agent to help me, Beatrice from Remax, which worked out really well. And we kind of became friends. She's a really cool gal. It's it's interesting. That's actually happened quite a few times. And then getting into the apartment, as far as getting the contract and all of that, 
things are slower. They are slower here. That whole process of finding the apartment, that was not what I expected either. It it works different here than at home. So at home, it's kind of more a first come, first serve. If you apply for a place and you're first in line, well, then you're first in line. Here, it's more, there's a lot of competition for good apartments right now. And you make offers. That's a kind of a whole new concept for me. Again, that's something navigating that with Beatrice was incredibly helpful because she kind of just talked me through and advised me everything to do and handled getting the contract, which came in English also, which was good. But then moving in and getting my utility set up, that tried my patience quite a bit. The water was turned on in three days. The electricity came on 11 days after I actually got my keys. So I was here. I would stay here a night or two, and then I'd go to a hotel that is literally, I can see from my back balcony across this little park is a hotel Ibis. I'd go and I'd stay there for a night, get showered, charge everything up, and then come back and stay in my apartment with candlelight and my pets you know, for, for a couple nights. And that, that went on for 11 days. So he came initially to actually turn on my electricity at like five days, but then got here and something to do with the circuit breaker box. Of course, he didn't speak English and my Portuguese is certainly nothing able to communicate with a, an electrician or power company. It was wired for a certain type of delivery system. They called it monophase and phase three. These are terms that I'm not familiar with, but I did not have the right type of contract for the type of power that was needing to be turned on. So he left, basically said something to me in Portuguese. I didn't understand. I, I really didn't understand what was going on. And he left. So I called up Beatrice and I was like, so he left. I have no power. I really don't know what to do now. So she ended up communicating with them for me. They had to rewrite the whole contract. That took several more days. So then they gave me a date to come back that they were going to turn on the power. And I was here and I waited and waited. And then I got this text from Beatrice and she said, you left the house? And I said, no, I didn't leave the house. I'm still here. I'm waiting. They haven't shown up yet. And she says, oh, they said they were there and you didn't answer the door. And I said, no, 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 that's not correct. I'm here. I've been here all along. And so she said, hold on, let me call them. I went downstairs thinking, okay, if they just left, I could catch them. There was nobody around. There's a concierge actually for this building and she's Portuguese and she doesn't really speak English. And I think I looked a little bit upset and she was asking me what was going on. And She knew that I was here without power. She's willing to use the translator on my phone to explain to her what had happened. And she basically called up the power company and it sounded like a little bit of a heated conversation. <laughs> Hard to tell with Portuguese, but <laughs> it's hard to tell, yes. Anyway, she talked with them and then communicated to me that they were coming back tomorrow, that they would be here the next day. And I honestly don't feel like that would have happened if it were just up to me to try and figure this out. I don't know. I don't know. I probably wouldn't still have power. <laughs> I can tell you <laughs> tell you that. But I think there's definitely some things that learning some Portuguese, I think are essential or at least having somebody that does speak Portuguese and that can advocate for you or jump in and help you 
I know everybody says, oh, you can get by in English. I'm not convinced of that. That's not my experience. And in particular, in the neighborhood where I live, that's not been my experience. I, I feel really compelled to go learn some Portuguese. <laughs> okay. That experience of dealing with the utilities really reinforced that idea for me. Yeah. And that's really good advice because I think a lot of people do just say, oh, it's Lisbon. It's a capital city. It's cosmopolitan. You can speak English. But Lisbon is huge and there's lots of neighborhoods and little pockets around Lisbon that mm -hmm. you might find it hard. Yes, exactly. And I feel like going down into Baixa, Seattle, the touristy areas, definitely I have no problem getting by on English there. But even going to El Corte English, the huge department store here, down in the grocery, asking workers there things like, where's the cat food? Or do you have canned soup? Things like that. In my experience, I'm going to say it's probably more than 50% don't speak English or they tell you they don't, which is okay. I just feel like if people aren't prepared for that or they don't want to live in a little sheltered, restricted environment, you got to be prepared for getting out there and trying to learn a little bit on your own. Yeah, putting yourself out there and not being embarrassed about it, right? Oh, and that's hard, but it gets a little easier every day. Yeah. That's good. So you were saying that along the way, some people who have helped you, like your real estate agent and the concierge, have been people that you have met mm -hmm. and some of them have become friends. How else are you meeting people? Yeah. Again, I'm still pretty new and still trying to find my footing and navigating that. I, I met some friends at dinner one night, actually, and they've become really good friends rather quickly. It's a Portuguese couple. I was at dinner in this little restaurant. It was right after my stepson left and I was feeling kind of mopey and lonely. And <laughs> I had done something that I, I don't normally do. I went to use the toilet. I'd left my cell phone on the table. I was in this little corner of the restaurant, a kind of isolated little corner table and they were next to me. And I don't know why I did that, I, but I did. And I came back and Daniel, my friend, he started to talk to me in English and said, you know, I noticed that you did this. I just wanted to tell you that, you know, we were right here. Of course, we were watching things and Lisbon's very safe. But he started to just kind of talk to me about that precaution of, oh, you probably shouldn't have just walked away and left your cell phone on the table. And I felt kind of really silly because, of course, I shouldn't do that. And I know that. But it ended up, we ended up talking and Diana. Then we left dinner there and went and got a drink somewhere and we became friends and we talk every day. We went on a bike ride. I've gone over to their house and hung out and had dinner and I'm incredibly grateful for meeting them. So they're my first like real Portuguese friends. Met a couple of Americans. They generally seem to not want to communicate as much. I'm finding uh, at least my limited experience so far, I think maybe they feel a lot like me, that fear of falling into this trap of kind of surrounding yourself with people that speak your language and then you won't need to branch out. So I think that's kind of where the Americans that I've met are kind of coming from. We've actually talked about it, had those conversations, but definitely I'm trying to figure that out. How do I meet more people? Hopefully at the gym and when my dog's better at the dog park, uh, we'll see. 
Yes. Yeah. Good options. Just kind of getting out there. Right. And I mean, mm-hmm. look how that happened with Daniel and Diana. You, yeah. you know, were meant to leave your phone, even though you thought it was silly, <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. And then you did. And, and now it worked out. So just kind of chatting with people at restaurants or like, yes. you know, when you get out yeah. for the dog park and those, those options. So I want to chat about that. You said you brought your pets. How many pets did you bring over? And what was that like for you? I brought three. I brought two cats and a dog. That was easy. Again, uh, your advice and in the stuff in your video is just spot on. Just follow that, and that's the process. Um, it was easy. It was it was more expensive than I thought on the state side going to the vet there, but that's probably pretty variable depending where you live. But having to go through that whole USDA pet exam and then getting here, going through the little bit of process at the airport. It was actually pretty easy. The flight for the dog was really hard. It was easier for the cats. Ended up needing to find a vet right away. My dog got hurt. She's already had surgery. So <laughs> so what's that experience been like going to the vet? The vet, well, it was great. In all honesty, the, the vet care here has been phenomenal. I was just absolutely amazed. I went to one of the larger veterinary hospitals in Lisbon. I just got on Google and there was a place close to me and it had good reviews. And I went, took her in. They got me in right away. There was a gal there at the desk that didn't speak English, but she got somebody who did. The vet spoke English fluently. It was great. It was really incredible. They got her in to see she needed a cardiologist before the surgery. That appointment was within a week. It was wonderful and incredibly affordable compared to prices in the United States for veterinary care. So I'm really pleased. Okay. So a good experience overall and affordable mm-hmm. compared to what you're used to. Yes. And will you go see this vet from now on or is it just for hospital emergency type things? No, I will actually. Um, they do just your regular routine veterinary care also. So I'm very happy with them. I think they're going to be my regular go-to vet. So Great. Did you find it hard to rent an apartment with pets? So I think so. And I say I think so because, again, I was working with the woman from Remax, and there's a lot of competition for apartments. And I know that they, uh, technically speaking, aren't allowed to deny you based on pets, but I think they have enough applicants for good places and it's not the same process, like first come, first serve process that you're used to coming from the States. It's easy for them to pick a potential tenant that maybe doesn't have pets. I can't say for certain that that's what happened with a couple of other places that I was interested in, that it's because of the pets that it didn't happen. But I, I think it is what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah. Um, And then I have three. It's not like just having one, right? One cat or one dog. I have three pets. So I I think a lot of people kind of consider that a lot for one apartment. Yeah. So they get a little scared and move move to someone else. And then, you know, I paid a sizable security deposit for them also. So is that refundable? It is. Okay. Yeah. All right. So maybe a negotiating tactic would be to offer a refundable pet deposit. Yes, I think so. I think so. 
All right. Great. Well, at Xmas Everywhere, we believe that living abroad transforms lives. And I know it's still new. Lisbon is new for you. But how has it transformed your life so far? I think taking me out of my comfort zone of familiarity. Like I said earlier, everything becomes a challenge. So the simplest thing, going to the grocery store to get eggs, to get laundry detergent, to figure out the washing machine, to order your coffee. But by that same same token, that challenge is also, how do you look at it? How are you going to approach it? Is it going to be an adventure? Are you going to approach it with excitement and curiosity and be able to throw yourself in and embrace, I have to learn something new? So I think that's one way it transformed me in the sense of I'm still coming out of that comfort zone. And I mean, I'm not 20 years old, throwing yourself out into the world. I it probably was a little more set in my ways than some people that go into this adventure. So I'm still learning that. I think opening myself up to that possibility of new relationships, new friendships, new new language, everything. I mean... It's all new. It's all a transformation. (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, it does. Yeah, you caught me kind of early in this process. It would be interesting to see where am I six months or a year? How would I answer some of these questions? Well, we'll have to have you back on. Yeah, I still am in culture shock and still trying to find my footing and trying to find what is out there for me. What are the possibilities here? And realizing that I've taken that step. I've done something that, in all honesty, most of my friends at home, they wouldn't do. They wouldn't do this. (laughs) They think I'm nuts. (laughs) Just that first step in that transformation is huge. And now that door is open and it's super exciting to see what are the possibilities and where is this going to go? Well, all the best as you continue to settle in Lisbon. Thank you. And we'll have to have you back on so we can see how things have changed and how your language learning is going. (laughs) Yeah. Wish me luck on that. Good luck. And thanks for chatting with us today. Oh, thank you so much. So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. 
Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 